And we are rolling. And you just killed another giant deer. Mark it down. <laughs> that was, uh, well, that's, I guess that's the point of this podcast is I haven't even, we've got, it's me, Kendall, and Cheeto. I, I haven't told either of y'all the story, right? Right. No. I know nothing. No, I was in the dark while I was out in New Mexico hoping to get a text with a story or a picture or something. And I didn't know if you just didn't have signal or what was happening. So I had zero. Well, 90% of the time I was out there, I had no service. And in the place, the cabin we were staying at, no service. <clears throat> it was like when we were kind of in town, was we can get, we could get like certain stuff out. So like, gotcha. I was radio silent for a little bit, but yeah. I mean, I haven't even really heard all that much about your elk hunt either. Well, so it, it I was, hear about that too. Yeah, it was an awesome trip. So I'm sure a lot of people don't know that for the last 20 years I've been doing real estate development. Like that's my full time gig, and my roadway contractor had invited me on this trip to go out to New Mexico. Um, Scott and David and Chris with East Coast Grading, and it was awesome. I mean, we had an epic time. The weather was awful, like literally rained 95% of the time. We got rained on a lot, too. We got in a hailstorm that not only did we get pelted with hail, but I thought we were going to get struck by lightning. Like, we were on the top of the mountain. Lightning was going crazy. Another guy in camp and guide literally had a bolt of lightning strike so close to them that it almost blinded them. Their ears started ringing. Um, and that was right when they had a bull coming in, one of the only bulls that was actually bugling and talking oh on this trip. That's crazy. So it was just, it was a crazy trip. The elk were tight-lipped. So they literally were not bugling at all, except for the very last day of, of the hunt. And uh, on that morning, my guide, uh, Hart, started having problems he's like yeah well you mentioned this to me yeah so he uh he has afib uh he takes medication for it he hadn't had an episode in like two three years what what is afib it's basically your heart starts going into erratic uh heartbeats yeah so he's like keeled over holding his chest like checking his own pulse and i'm like uh dude are you okay and like he did not look okay I literally thought I was going to have to throw him over my shoulder and run back to the truck. How deep are y'all in Jeez. at that point? Uh, I mean, we were probably 40 minutes from the cabin and we were, you know, from the truck, we were only maybe a half mile at that point. And then how far oh, from geez. there to like a hospital? Oh, like over an hour. Like Damn. it would have been like in reach. Did y'all, did y'all go to the hospital? No. He was like, he's like, I'll be okay. I don't have the type of AFib that people die from. And I'm like, okay. Um, you don't look good. Yeah. So it's crazy. In the, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so I was like, you're not, I'm not going to be the reason that you die today. I was like, <laughs> let's just take it easy and like, see how you're feeling. Right about that time, elk starts bugling and we start calling and getting into the elk. He starts feeling better. But I would have been a lot more aggressive probably going after if, that if elk that if that hadn't happened because I wasn't going to be the reason this guy kills over. Um, so it was crazy. A couple of close calls. Uh, literally had like a spike uh, bull about step on my bow and run over us at six feet. Um, got awesome footage of that. So epic trip uh, my buddy chris ended up getting up getting one scott missed twice um so they were in a different area about an hour and a half from where we were hunting and they were in them and the elk were actually going after it really so i know that drew and uh and bill got into some wild action as well yeah it sounds like it was just an absolute cluster yeah i i haven't had an opportunity to talk to drew much we were texting back and forth a little bit when we had signal um but yeah it sounded like they had a interesting outing as well see i'm uh i feel like i'm kind of getting to the point now where i would like to go on an elk hunt i've never heard a bugle like oh you're you will i've never seen i've never seen a wild elk I, at least to my knowledge, I don't think I've ever seen a wild elk that I can remember. Once uh, it, once you hear a bugle, you will be addicted. 
I take it back. No, I saw I saw an elk uh, when we were turkey hunting out in uh, Wyoming, okay. Montana. But you know, it was some cow. But I've never heard a bugle. Like, never experienced kind of what everyone has said about the elk thing. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I've been this. That was my seventh elk hunt, and I still have not shot an elk. And it's not because of lack of opportunities. It's years and years before I just like was holding out for like in my head. I was like, I'm going to shoot a five by five or better. In hindsight, I should have just whacked something years ago, gotten one under my belt. And I just think I would be a lot more confident going out there doing it. But I think elk is one of those things that uh, like there's no way to learn it besides to do it. You know, you can you can read and watch videos and kind of, I mean, I mean, similar to really anything, but like, I just feel like elk in particular, you just, you can do all the research you want, but until you actually go live it and do it, you cannot replace like hands-on experience. Yeah, you can't. And really it's knowing, knowing the land, you know, making sure your wind's right, when to call, when not to call, all of those factors are like in play all of the time. Yeah. But there's nothing better and in my mind than getting out there chasing after animals putting in 50 70 miles and you come back home in great shape and like just putting uh batteries in a camera today at one of my spots where it's like a massive hill i like ran up it and i was like wow i, that, yeah. I feel pretty good <laughs> like, my adventure it, for the day yeah <laughs> it, 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 and, and before doing that uh trip i was like winded at the top of that hill yeah. so it, it, it's definitely an amazing it, we got to get you out there yeah. Well, I think, I think that's why I've loved going to Kansas so much. Like I, I've fallen in love with Kansas. Like I look forward to going out there more than almost anything the entire season. And yeah. the, I think the reason is the, the suburban stuff sometimes is so, I mean, here's, here's the thing. Like hectic. Yes. <laughs> you can use a lot of words. Hectic yeah. is one of them for sure. Yeah. The suburban thing is like, uh, it's just what is read, readily available to us. And so like we're making lemonade out of lemons and we're having fun with like, we live in the city, so we're finding adventure down the road essentially. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's still like extremely stressful dealing with small property lines. You're dealing with neighbors. You're still like in the middle of drama and people and all this stuff. And like to get away from all of that, all of the stress and all the, you know, outside variables that come with suburban hunting and just get into the vast openness and just go is the best feeling in the world. Quiet. Like yeah. hearing nothing yeah. is yeah. amazing. Like yeah. actually hearing, you know, birds or just random stuff or absolutely nothing yeah. is awesome. Not dogs and people and cars and trash cans. Leaf blowers. And leaf blowers. <laughs> it's, it, that is weird or strange to think about is like we rarely ever get absolute silence yeah and it's not it's not until you go to places like that that you get to actually like hear it and when you hear it it's it's just foreign it's like almost so quiet that it's loud in a a weird sense yeah but um well what happened with you well so yeah i'll so what do you want to talk about first because we can i've got the i've got two two topics one is the kansas story and then the other is uh you know, maybe I'm a little oversensitive to this, but it's about money that we spend on hunting. How much money we spend? Do we pay for permission? Things like that. Because, uh, we posted the picture of the Kansas deer. And and again, maybe I'm a little oversensitive to this thing. I'm a human being. So when I, I try to stay away from comments as much as possible because I still like to have a normal life, (laughs) try to have a normal life. And I just try to not like let your mind drift to that social media darkness, mm-hmm. but I couldn't help but see a couple comments that were like, Oh, we broke out the checkbook. Like, I wonder how much you paid, you know, hunting's easy when you, when you got a bunch of money and that kind of stuff. So I did a story just kind of basically addressing that. And I said, I would do a podcast. So there's the Kansas story. And then there's the mystery, you know, do we pay for permission? How much money do we actually spend on hunting? Things like that, that I think people, because I did get a lot of responses from that being like, I appreciate you. Well, I got, I got several different responses, but I got a lot of responses that were like, I appreciate you just being transparent about that. Yeah. And I, I think that I like, 
I think our goal is to always be as open and honest as we possibly can be. Now, there are certain things we can't be open books about, like spots and locations, where where we're hunting, like things like that. But as far as just like trying to be as open and transparent as possible, like that, that is why I want to address that to some sense, just to so like that, you know, people get to take an inside look and, and know us and our, or, you know, kind of what we're about, uh, just the, the truth about us, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've kind of already dove into that. Let's dig yeah. into that some more. I mean, yeah, I think so many people see the hard work and legwork that you put in, Drew puts in, we all put in like to find and pursue these animals. When you're doing it year after year after year, people, the haters start to come out of the woodwork and are questioning, how is he able to do this every single year without paying for property? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the quick answer to that is we do this literally every day. Yeah. Like it's a huge blessing that, you know, people at home and people listening enjoy our content because it has, it has given us this gift of being able to chase our passion at literally every day. And, you know, it does change a lot of things for you when you turn something you're passionate about that you love into a business. And there's a lot of stuff that just, I guess, baggage that that comes with that. But literally, like, we get to do this every day. So, you know, the time that we can put into finding deer and time that we can put into getting permission and scouting and all of these things, like, it's just, you can't. You can't replace that. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I don't get to pursue and go to different states as much as you guys do because I've got work, family, and whatever. But, like, when I am focused on it, it's doing the same thing that you are. But we also make these relationships year after year with property owners, using our contacts to reach the property owner or whatever. It doesn't mean that we're paying for property because we don't i have no problem with paying for permission for a lease uh, going on an outfitter hunt Mm -hmm. like i i I have no no problems with that whatsoever buying ground like literally could have no problems with it i i don't i'm just the, the truth is what it is and i haven't had when i've knocked on a door I have not had to pay somebody to tell them yes. If they tell me no, I'll just go to the next door. I'll just go somewhere else. That's right. And if and I, I honestly, I've never had the situation happen, which is kind of shocking to me, where someone's like, "If you pay me two hundred bucks, I'll let you hunt." No one's ever said that to me. Yeah. And yeah. given the situation, like in Kansas, uh, if that farmer would have been like, "Hey, uh, yeah, give me two hundred bucks or three hundred bucks or four hundred bucks, and I'll let you hunt that deer," I'd be like, "Done." Yeah. Yeah. People, people go to, you know, you go to Kansas on this, like we've spent money on plane tickets. We've spent money on tags. We've spent money on rental cars. Like we've, we're already deeply invested into this thing. Yeah. I, I'm just for the principle of it. I'm not going to not, you know, pay that guy a couple hundred bucks if he, if that's what he wanted to go hunt. And honestly, when I made this call to this guy, I was fully, ex- cause that's how Kansas, Kansas is commercialized. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. Every square inch is leased. Yeah. And so I was fully prepared to be like, if this guy wants a few hundred bucks, like I'm happy to pay it because we can get on this deer. And so I was, I was totally ready to do that. But the guy was like, um, he's like, how many days are you wanting to go? And I was like, I'm, I'm flying out Friday. So it would, it would be this evening and maybe tomorrow morning. And he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, go for it. He's like, send me a picture if you get him. Now, on the flip after the fact, I'm 100% going to write him a handwritten letter, yeah. thank you letter, and probably find uh, whatever closest restaurant or supply store or get him a gift card, something to whatever. get him a gift card to yeah. say thank you, like take your wife out to dinner yeah. on me, like something like that, just to show my appreciation for it. But as far as like, here's you know a bunch of money. Can I can I hunt your property now? I've never had to do that. I have offered someone and, th- and this is this is the particular th- this is a particular situation where I would where I'm saying like I wouldn't be opposed to paying at all 
there's a, I was in a situation where there's a particularly very large deer. There's only a handful of places you could get on this deer and fully prepared to offer a few hundred bucks. Now I've got a cap, obviously. It's not like I'm just going to throw, you know, whatever at, you know, at somebody, but I offered this guy, uh, 250 bucks. And he was like, no. And I was like, $500. And he was like, no, that's the, and and honestly, it felt so foreign to me (laughs) because I, I don't know, like I have friends that, that, uh, were coaching me on how to, to like offer money to, to try and get permission. Cause I was like, I've, I've literally never done this before, but I was like, this is the property to hunt this deer. And I was like, I asked in the traditional way first. And in my back pocket, I was like, you know, if a few hundred bucks would get this guy over the, you know, some incentive there to let me hunt, like I'm fully prepared to do that. And so I, I was like really nervous. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> so I offered him like 250 bucks. He's like, no. And I was like, uh, what about $500? And he's like, no. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. All right. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely foreign when you have such a good success rate. We, we all do have a pretty good success rate of getting permission. And look, years and years ago, when I started venturing out into different parts of Atlanta and really kind of going to more uh, rural areas, trying to find property, I leased some spots Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. those spots produced and were, were good spots, but it was like, one is further than I wanted to be. Like I, I was having better genetics and stuff, you know, closer to town. And so I just switched gears and went back to what I was good at and, and just knocking on doors and all the friendships and relationships that I've made over the years with the property owners is probably the best part one of, of the best things yeah, yeah. out of it. I mean, I, I'm super close with a lot of the families during the holidays. I typically will go drop off a gift card or whatever to show my thanks. I'm always offering to help them around the house or, mm. or whatever they need. So, you know, it's not just the deer hunting side of things. It's you're literally becoming yeah. friends with these people. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes even like in Birmingham, like we, uh, BJ and I came across a property where the guy was just more comfortable for us to pay the lease for like the season. Mm-hmm. And so we leased the pro I mean, it was super cheap, but it was just like, he wanted us to sign a lease for his property just to, you know, just to be comfortable. And yeah. it wasn't like it was expensive. It was like 200 bucks for like the whole year, but it's like, you know, we did that. And then now we've built a relationship with that guy. And that's like what you're saying. A lot of it is relationships and I'll do yard work for some of my older, you know, oh, elderly yeah. people, you know, I'll do yard Cut work up trees. Them. Yeah. Do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've, I'm actually currently trying to lease a property where a, a big deer is at because we're just big deer is like, it's super limited on possibilities. It's yeah. not a lot of the places we hunt. It's like, there's there's 50 people that you can knock on a door and get a yes and have a be in the game on that deer. This particular situation, there was only like two, maybe three. three. Yeah. And and I was like, one of them, I was like, the, f- the first one, I was just like, you know, it has to happen on these properties. Otherwise, you're not in the game. So that's why I was like, I'm, I'm prepared to pay a couple hundred bucks, a few hundred bucks. Right. Totally botched it. You know, clearly I need to work on that if I'm going to go that route. But again, I approached it the traditional way. He was not, not about it at all. And then I was like, well, would this change your mind? And he was like, no. And then, so I'm actually, um, at another property over there, they're concerned about liability. And then he's Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, where's the incentive for me? And again, it's like, it's a really big deer, uh, and super tight option. So I was like, well, what if I'm trying to work on a, like to lease his ground too. And, uh, I'm tr- I'm trying to figure out how to do that because I've never done it before. So the statement that I have made that to this point, as we are doing this podcast right now, I've literally spent $0 for hunting permission. But I've also been transparent in that that could change. Like I'm not opposed to it at all. Mm-hmm. I'm totally down to lease a property. If it's a really good property that could produce year after year, like absolutely. And how much, you know, it's normal for people to lease ground in more rural areas where it's larger properties. But to me, it also makes sense to do the same thing in a 
suburban area where it's like, man, if this is like a property that that could produce if, year if, after year. Yeah, if it's yeah. a money spot, I mean, why not? I mean, it's it's no different than than leasing a property anywhere. It's your leasing hunting ground. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want people to think that like we're above it, if that makes sense. Like that we're Look, too I, proud to, because it's totally normal for people to pay money for permission or lease ground or buy ground or pay for outfitters. That's n- totally normal. I don't want people to, to hear us say that statement that we haven't paid yet and then think that, or me personally, that I haven't and, and think that I'm thinking I'm above them. I'm, I'm not, I'm just being truthful that like, I just haven't yet. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about leasing a property and having like a seek one farm, right. Yeah. To where we can go and start doing more you know, food plots and stuff like that and getting more into the, quote, traditional side of hunting. But, um, you know, my dad's been in the same hunting lease since I was 10. So, you know, I'm 47 now. So my dad's been leasing that property for forever. And, you know, just the camaraderie and stuff of hunting camp is is what so many look forward to. And, you know, we get that in town from all of us hanging out too. But it'd be cool to lease a property and... And yeah. do that. Yeah. And maybe, am I, am I being oversensitive to this? No, I, I mean, here's the deal. I, I feel I, like I am. Well, I, I, <laughs> I really I, do. I, I know you're passionate, uh, very passionate about what you do. You're yeah. extremely good at what you do. And when somebody starts talking smack, it's not, it doesn't make you feel good. Yeah. You know, especially when you know what your intent is. So, you know, I get it. Like every once in a while we're human and we don't, like it when somebody's talking trash. I think that's the, the, the maybe a misconnect there is that people look at us in a way that we're not just normal guys. And so like, dude, I'm, we're all subject to the same shortcomings or, uh, you, you know, that fall victim to the same nonsense that, that any, anyone out there would like, you know, I, I've, I've heard a podcast where Joe Rogan, he, he consistently says that he'll post on social media and he will not look at a single comment. Yeah. And I was talking with Cody, um, who was filming me in Kansas and we were talking about this stuff and he was like, man, cause he filmed with Lee and Tiffany for years. Yeah. And I was talking about their side of things and he was like, man, they get, they get trash talked for, um, you know, hunting out of those box blinds that really conceal your scent. It's the most efficient way that, that, that they hunt their farms. Well, it's also zero degrees up there or something. Right. (laughs) But he just said like, oh, they get so much, you know, crap for that. And he, he was like, Tiffany, like they were, they were kind of brought up in the TV side. So like it was just, they posted their TV, they went to shows, people were great. They didn't see the dark side. Right. Mm -hmm. And until they got Facebook and Instagram, and I think Tiffany was doing most of the posting and she started reading comments and she told Cody that like it, it it puts her put her mind in an extremely dark Bad place. place. Mm. Yeah. And then so then she also got to the point where she's like, I just don't look at comments. Yeah. Like I, I love that people give us good feedback and I sincerely appreciate that and I will read those comments, but like uh and respond to a handful of them. But uh it almost seems like it's healthiest to just like literally just blind yourself to the comments and just do yeah. your thing and and just do your thing. It's like it's you, you kind of wish that people would go back to like what our, our, our mom used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say it at all. Because like if you look at social media, even people's comments, I just saw one where this girl had just posted this thing about her sister going through like drug like addicted to drugs and she's like, I just need somebody to pray for my sister and like this is what it's like and this is the life that they have to live and that they choose to live. And people were smashing her for that. And they were like, yeah. don't post your sister all over the internet just to get your own view and all this stuff. And it's like, she's reaching out, asking for genuine prayer for her sister. Yeah. And people are bashing her for it. So I just think it's just people these days just have to throw their own crap. Well, I mean, but on the other hand too, like I am glad that we all have freedom of speech. And if you want to voice your opinion, like do it. I mean, we live in America. This is America. You know, you can say what you want and, and you're absolutely entitled to your opinion. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not trying to be like living in a shelter or just be like, Oh, like I've, y'all know me. Like I've got pretty thick skin. You have to have extremely thick skin because like the amount of rumors and stuff that's Mm -hmm. said about who you are, that is not true. Yeah. You have to have thick skin. Otherwise we would have 
basically folded years ago. Yeah. Being yeah. like, we can't do this. Yeah. But, um, and and that also, you also know that we've made it when people start talking smack because they're <laughs> jealous. Two cents. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. They, you know, they're, they hear a rumor about, you know, Seek One and, you know, how they grew up or who they are or whatever, which is totally false. And so if people don't know who we are, which I think we do a really good job doing these and like putting ourselves out there. But if you don't know who we are, what good is it doing you to talk smack about us or anyone for that matter? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just because they're insecure or jealous or something within themselves. And that's the only way that they feel that they're adding, you know, value to what they say. Yeah. I mean, I, I fully understand that's, that that it's part of it. Like Mm -hmm. big deer in any setting is going to cause drama. It's going to, it just is jealousy, all that, all that stuff. So it's like, if you can't handle the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm wearing a fire suit pretty much because (laughs) anything we do is going to be criticized heavily. So like I'm, I'm, I fully bring it on, you know, I wear it as is, but I think the part that, you know, just pisses me off is when something is like extremely false yet someone is talking in a sense of like, it is they truth. Know, they I know, know this. Yeah, like they and I'm like, dude, like I had a buddy respond to my story. And he was like, oh, my one of my buddies got a DM from one of his guys. And he, he says that he, you know, knows for a fact that Lee paid money, paid money to the farmer in Kansas. And I was like, there are three people on this earth that were there for that conversation. It's me, Cody, and that farmer. We recorded the conversation so it'll be in the episode so that the truth will be out there fully mm-hmm. but to me that's the part that pisses me off is that someone's like oh oh we know yeah i know sure. i know no. i know the deal yeah. you know he paid i'm like no you freaking didn't dude <laughs> yeah. literally this is the middle of nowhere yeah. nowhere in kansas this guy had no clue who we are he was a very just nice guy it was a a, a 60 second conversation it wasn't a big deal like yeah. it just wasn't yeah but like people just start you know just you just have to people have to throw their you know two cents in there and just literally make crap up that's the part that pisses me off but that's also the part i like about podcasts and being able to voice our own opinions on social media is that yeah uh we can be truthful and transparent about everything um and if stuff starts to come out or whatever is being said like we can address it that's right yeah so. well i think we now have some clarity there for everyone, but I want to hear what happened in Canada. Well, I too. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. The uh, rant over. I'm sure I'll be <laughs> pissed off about something else the next big year. And you know, about some anyways. <laughs> um, so Kansas, um, I mean, had I'm, you hunted, is this near the same vicinity that you were hunting last year or is this a totally different area? Sort of similar area. Um, but he, so, okay, here, here was the plan for Kansas. I just loved it so much. I didn't even care what we hunted. I was like, you know, and I, I realized the last time we were out there, how commercialized it is. Right. And you know, uh, so, well, I just had a thought pop up my head. I'll pull it up later. Anyways, I realized what the deal is with Kansas. There's there's tons of leased ground, and I learned that all last year, that it's just like, you know, highly sought after uh, territory. And almost every square inch is like the, the traditional sense of like door knocking, getting permission. If it's anything that's like a admire or a desirable piece of property, forget about it. The stuff we were able to get permission on last year was like very small stuff that people just didn't want to lease. And maybe it was happened to have Milo on it that year and deer were in it. The the, the crops change every year. So like some of right. the places we had permission on that were good last year are literally just bare dirt and just wasteland. No deer mm-hmm. this year. Um, so the plan was just to kind of like go out there, bounce around on public land and uh, maybe check out some of the stuff that we still had permission on from the last trip. So pretty much going in blind. Blind. I was like, I don't, I don't want to deal with uh, the door knocking stuff. I just want to go hunt. Like, 
you know, get there day one, just start hunting, just mm-hmm. go into public, just whatever we find is what, what we're going to hunt. We're just going to go. Yeah. So the first thing I did when we got there was I, I checked to kind of see where the Milo, was, where the crops were, uh, checked a couple of the places we had permission on, um, from last year where we had, you know, bachelor groups and just had some good action and none of that stuff really panned out. So, um, we had, we had some permission and some, uh, some public about an hour, almost two hours away from where we were staying. Um, that was kind of the backup plan. And so, but the first, the first day we like where we were staying, we wanted to stay within 40 minutes of kind of where we were at. So I literally was just on a map looking at the public and just driving, just checking it out, driving, 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 looking, trying to see where the crops are, all this stuff, just bouncing around. We look at one big piece of public, saw like a 120, um, saw some other deer. I'm literally just like, what else is around here? And I was like, okay, let's go look at this other place. Driving, nothing on that place. Driving, it's like kind of getting last light, last, you know, 20 minutes of light. We're driving down this road and coming up on it. I was like, okay, the public's up here on this corner. I didn't even see the deer, but I'm, cause I'm looking like in, actually in the fields. Cody was in the passenger seat and he saw the deer that there was the, a 10 point buck. He was in hard horn. And then the deer I killed was in velvet. The 10 pointer was standing on a side road. So like if we're just driving straight down the road, there's a intersection road goes right. Probably 200 yards down the road, the deer standing in the middle of the dirt road. And we were like, he was like, buck, buck. And like, I whipped my head around. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, that's a, that's, that's a big, that's deer. a big deer. That's yeah. what we're looking for. Sheesh. And so, you know, out of reaction, if I was smart, I would have just kept, kept driving. Cause when you stop a car out there, that's like when they, when you keep rolling, they don't really care when you stop is when they're like, Oh, they see yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Well, I slammed on the brakes, stopped. And the deer just kind of stands there looking at us. I throw it in reverse and uh, the deer still stands there for a minute. And then he takes off running back into the Milo. And I didn't see this other buck until the, the 10 pointer took off. And then all of a sudden this other buck took off with him. And I'm looking at him with the binos and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's a giant. Yeah. Freaking out. So I like, I pull out the spotter. I stand on, on, uh, in Cody's tailgate glass and these things. And I'm like, dude, that this is it. That like, this is, we found him. It was literally just pick a spot on a map. Go. Like I had never hunted there last year. No history with this area really at all. It's just like, just driving and driving and driving. And all of a sudden, boom, everything changed. That's great. Did you guys drive there or i so, oh, this is also dude. Yeah. This you had issues at the airport. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. This, this was, just confused me. So about a truck. We, <laughs> the, dude, the Atlanta airport sucks. I don't know what the deal is, but like when I got back in, the trains were down. It took two hours to get our baggage. I, so I, I would agree. There's something going on. <laughs> yeah. At the, the Atlanta airport, airport sucks. So, Cody's flight was at his his flight was like an hour and an hour and twenty minutes before my flight. So we get there super early. I think Cody he has TSA pre-check. He's just checking a bag. It's not like he's got a firearm to deal with all this. He's literally he he just literally dropped his bag off, went to TSA pre-check, and I think that I think we were there like an hour forty five before his flight. Like, and I dropped him off at the front. It wasn't like we went and parked and then had to walk. I was like, we'll drop you off at the front. You've got TSA, like hour and 45 minutes is more than enough time. Drop him off, gets his bag checked, goes to TSA pre-check. He said he was there for like an hour in the TSA pre-check, uh, or over an hour or something. And, uh, um, anyways, ended up getting to his flight, flight had already, they'd closed the door already gone. So he stood waiting for a different flight. Uh, there were no openings on that flight. He booked a rental car and just drove to Kansas or, uh, Kansas city. He lives in Kansas city. I, I think it's like 12 okay. hours. He's just like, he's like, screw this. Just got in a, got in a rental. Boom. Well, I had three hours before my flight. So I go park my car. I walk in and where you check your, uh, firearms, mm-hmm. uh, that line, there's like over a hundred people in line and two agents. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And there were there was four guys behind me that were also headed to Kansas and they we were looking at each other like 
this is bad. And we waited in that line for like an hour and a half and finally got the guns checked and stuff. And at this point, like, I'm like, okay, this is, I still have plenty of time, but I'm going to, you know, I'm not wasting any time. Like I'm going to rush. So I, I, I rush through it. I get to the security basically another hour and a half. <laughs> Missed my flight. Was it waited for, waited like six, seven hours to catch another flight and like 16 people missed uh, that flight too or something or other. Anyways, there's a bunch of seats and I was able to catch that flight to Kansas. So Cody drives his rental car to Kansas State or Kansas City. He lives in Missouri, on the Missouri side and then he met me. I got a rental car and then he met me with his truck out there. Oh, okay. So we were using his truck to ride around. Gotcha. Um, wow. Yeah, so we're in his truck. We see these deer and basically the the gist of what we figured out that they were doing because we kept driving back and kept glassing them and just what we know with last year is that these deer live in the mile just like they live in kudzu around here yeah. they'll live in it not leave or soybeans in tennessee yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's the same thing with milo out there they literally will bed in it and live in it and they won't leave um what i learned last year is that they do have to find water though so the water was and this is why they were crossing the road that night the water was on the public and we figured that out pretty quick knew they were spending most of their time and living in the milo um we set up basically on this fence row right in the right where they crossed the road jumped the fence from the the private side and they're immediately on public so we set up on this fence row with the muzzle loader and it's like yeah, we can shoot either direction wind was perfect everything was perfect and we'd see them you know stand up in the milo and they would just stand in the same spot and just mill around, mill around. And then until it got about dark is when they were, they would just start boom, to make a move, make their mind to come to the water. Uh, the reason we saw them on the road that day was it was storming and had rained like crazy and the rain had quit. And so they were up on their feet early. So they were making their way across early, but they were in that rhythm of getting up, feeding the Milo, going to the public for water. And we set up on the public for, I think it was like two or three days kept seeing them. And, uh, the, we kept trying to, f- the reason we didn't hunt the, uh, private earlier was cause like we, we, we were trying to find the farmer. The farmer had the, the ground all tied up and we could not find who this farmer was. I was stopping in, in, the, in gas stations in town. I went to like a supply store in town and I basically followed this massive breadcrumb trail to finally eventually get in touch with the farmer. And when I called him, I was like, Hey, there's, you know, this deer, we've been hunting them, uh, on some public just to the North of you. He's in your Milo, this, that, and the other. And again, I'm fully expecting this guy to be like, you know, well, how much are you paying? Mm-hmm. And he was just so, or, or it's leased already. Yeah. For gun for season a, or whatever. Right, right. Right. Fully expecting that. And was literally just shocked that he was like, uh, he's like, no, he's like, uh, He's like, yeah. He's like, you're only only here till Friday or whatever. He's like, yeah. He's like, go for it. He's like, uh, you know, good luck. And was he's like, send me a picture if you get them. And uh, we were, fr- I mean, we were freaking out. Like in the car, <laughs> we were flipping out. It's it's go time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we we knew they were in the Milo. We just had to have the right strategy to get on them. And uh, the whole time, too, like, you know, I, we'd been glassing these deer. And I was like thinking the 10-pointer was the bigger deer. Did y'all see the pictures I posted? I said to shoot the one that you shot. So, but did you see the the survey I did? Though? Yeah, yeah, it was I, saying the other one. I was yeah. just curious what people's thoughts were, and it was like eighty percent were saying the ten pointer. Yeah, and so I was kind of thinking the same thing too. Like, I was really just whichever deer came out was the one we were gonna shoot. We were not like well, I they said, were both giants. Yeah. So, but I was also out there to just if it was one thirty and he was mature, I'm in. You know, it's yeah. not like we're like, oh no, we're going to be, we're looking for a certain caliber deer. We just went hunting. We literally just happened to stumble on two giants. And I was convinced looking at the eight pointer that he was big, but I thought the 10 was bigger. And I thought the eight was like upper fifties class deer, maybe 160 class deer. And I thought the 10 was just, you know, big, heavier frame. Um, so my, I was kind of hoping the 10 was going to walk out. Mm. Um, so anyways, we slide into this Milo that night and everything was perfect. I mean, we probably had to go, 
we had a we had an east wind and these deer were set up on the east side of this milo in the highest spot of elevation so when they get up you could see they're seeing everything we learned that the year prior too that they like to get in that milo and be on the highest spot where they can get up and just like stand up and just look yeah and just because you can see forever out there so we had an east wind we kind of came in from the southwest side and probably got I'd say the Milo was maybe 300 yards wide. I think we probably got like 120 yards into the Milo and took it all the way up. Um, I mean, we probably walked 800 yards and then got set up. Like basically on the crest is where we, and we saw, we saw him get up several times, like from glass and stuff. So like we had, we had a very good idea of where they were probably going to be. So, um, we set up basically in the Milo in between that high spot and the public side where they were always getting up and working their way to the water. So this Milo is what, three and a half, four feet tall? It's tall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's for sure three feet tall. Okay. And we're also below these deer. So it's like, we're buried pretty much. Like, like we set up and I basically had, was ranging stuff and I was like, Basically to the, to our left was where a ditch came down and then a ditch and then it started to rise again. And where that ditch came down and started to rise again, I was like, that's going to be the place where, uh, we can see their vitals most likely if they'll get there. Cause we saw them stand on top of that, that lip mm-hmm. that night before I was like, if they make, make work their way there and stand there and look around, like that's our shot. So we're sitting there and we're like watching and watching, watching glass and glass is getting late. These deer stood up at 7.10 the night before. It's 7.30. We still don't see them. We're like, maybe they're not here. Maybe they bedded on the other side or something. And then uh, with like 30 minutes left, Cody has a is a little bit higher than me. And he can he's like, I see the 8. I see the 8. The 10 was nowhere to be seen. It was just the 8. And we watched this deer for, I think it was, uh, I mean, 20 minutes. For sure 20 minutes just like standing there silhouetted into the sky, you know, and I'm like looking at him through the binos and I'm like, Cody, I think that deer's pretty big. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. He's like, <laughs> and so I didn't think that we were going to get a shot. This deer stayed on that, that high side and just, just looking around milling back and forth, back and forth, not really leak going anywhere, just kind of lingering in the same area. And so, starting to get darker we're still watching him and then all of a sudden he just made his break just made up his mind that he was going to the public and just boom there he goes so he starts walking left and i'm I'm like cody's walking left hard and then cody loses him in the camera because he dropped into this ditch and then i lost him and for probably two three minutes we're like we don't know where he is and then all of a sudden like way left where i had ranged and basically was like that's our shot opportunity Boom, pops he out. just pops out there. I was like, left, 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 left. And he's like, he was, Cody's like, where, where, where? I'm like, you can, I was like, dude, look with the naked eye. You can, you can see him. And so he's like trying to find him with the camera. And, uh, we, you know, he, he steps into this, like the spot that I'd arranged, like the perfect shot opportunity. I was using a tripod. I was steady as a rock on this deer. And this is also my first time muzzle loading. Yeah. Muzzle loading. Do you have any, do y'all have much experience in muzzleloaders? Uh, no, I, I haven't muzzleloaded hunt mm-hmm. hunt for a long time. But you've done it before? Yeah, I've done it before, yeah. Have you ever done I've it? I've never done it before. It's like bow hunting with a gun. Like ranging is important. Wind is important. There's It's not like point, click, boom. Yeah. I know they make muzzleloaders. They're a, they're a lot different now than you have 20 plus years ago. For sure. So, For sure. And I know they make muzzleloaders now where it's like you can shoot a deer 500 yards like no problem. But I'm not shooting one of those. I, I had told myself 200 yards was the max. And I also didn't realize when I was in, you know, getting set up and shooting, you know, I had a slight crosswind uh, when how, I was just. How much it affects. Oh, dude. Yeah. I was, I mean, I, I'm thinking in my head, this is like a gun. Point, click, boom. A little crosswind is is moving that bullet like six inches. Sheesh. And so I was sitting there thinking my gun's all off. And because I, I was, I remember you texted me and you were like, "I think I've got a problem with my 
with my muzzle letter. Yeah, and I like anyway. So then I I had a uh, Hayden, who's a buddy of mine out there, and Cody, who's got muzzleloading experience. They were like, dude, it's the cross one that's moving your bullet. Like, so we got in line where I'm shooting downwind, and then realized You're my gun was on it. the whole time. Yeah. <clears throat> but you know, even a difference in 100 yards, 250, like 50 yards is a huge difference with a muzzleloader. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, ranged him and on him steady. How far was he? 170 yards. Okay. So I had the gun sighted in at 200 and at a hundred yards, it was three inches high, four inches high maybe. And then, uh, 150 yards is like a couple inches high, something like that. So 170 yards, I had the gun dialed at 200. I basically just put it right on him. If it's a little high, you know, it's it's all in the vitals. Put it right on him, super steady. It had been raining that day. And I go to shoot, and that goes click, delay, boom. And I like, in my head, I was like, what just happened? Because you know, I cloud of smoke. I don't. I don't see what happened. I heard a thud. I mean, like a distinctive, like that bullet hit something hard. But I all I saw was smoke. But every every time I've been shooting, it was like dry conditions, and it, you know, you pull the trigger, immediate bang. But it had been raining. I'd put the rain my rain jacket over the muzzle loader, like trying to keep it as dry as possible. But even a little bit of moisture. It was literally like click, delay, boom. That is crazy. And so I was like, I hope I was solid you were on the deer. still on, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I hope that I was still on that deer by the time that that went off. And um, we actually, so anyways. Smoke clears. Smoke clears. I mean, we. I heard a, just a smack. Deer runs off to, you know, probably 250. Cody's like, reload, reload, reload. So I'm loading up again. <clears throat> i I'm guessing he was 250. I got, he could have been 300. I don't. I don't know. It's low light, and at this point, it's like we're trying to just get another one in him. And I don't even know if I've hit the deer at this point. So I put it. I put the next one like right at the top of his back, and squeeze it off. And it's it's lower light, you know. And the deer's 300 yards off, and I'm seeing clouds. So like you know, I don't. It's not like I'm sitting there watching what's right. happening. Yeah. I'm kind of blind. And so the deer. <laughs> If I remember, I think Cody can still see him. I can't see him. Cody's like, oh, like he's hit hard. Like he's he's hit hard. And so I reloaded again, I, and I take off running to try and like get up on this deer. And when I get up, you know, I, I don't see him. I, I don't see him at all. Is, so he's still in the Milo? Jeez. He's still in the Milo. Okay. Trying to find something in that Milo, even if you have hit it, has to be impossible. It's tough. Yeah, it's crazy. It's tough for sure, especially in low light. Yeah, and that's the thing with with also like tracking a deer in the Milo is like, dude, you you could miss them by five feet. Yeah, and walk right by them and not not even see them. So we see this deer go into this you know kind of ditch area. I, honestly, I was I was running towards the deer to try and. Uh, get get up on him so I'm, I'm i had a i had a really good landmark of where the direction of he was cody's the one who's watching him um so i didn't know what's going on i get up there i don't see the deer i'm like i have no idea what's going on i get back to cody and he's like he's he's like i know that he has hit hard and um he was like you know i saw him go into that ditch area too he's like i you know i, I didn't see him after he went out of there or went into that it's like we don't we don't know so we go back to the truck and we start to you know look back at like kind of what what looked like what happened and um you know we're looking at a small screen but you can tell like it hit it hit the deer like in the shoulder like just crushed him in the shoulder and so you know the first shot the first shot yeah yeah yeah. um i think we could tell that it was forward um but it you know, this is a, this is a big bullet. 50 cal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the amount of like percussion, not percussion, that's music. Concussion. I what think it is per- the amount of, uh, energy. <laughs> <laughs> what word you, am I trying you, to say? You, you can tell how much we gun hunt uh, um, over here. 
What word am I thinking of, though? <laughs> Perco- percussion is an instrument. Percussion or type of instrument. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> the, the force. The for- yeah. The, the force. impact. It's a big impact. Um, <laughs> now I'm going to be thinking about that word the whole time. Yeah. So, um, you know, we feel good that he went into this ditch and we didn't see him come out. So it's like, and we know that like a bullet like that is just a huge impact. So, um, were you thinking of velocity? No. no. It is a P word. <laughs> While you're per, talking, per, I'm going to Google per, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see if you can look it up. Um, so we actually had run into a few Georgia guys out there um, during the trip, and and uh, we gave them a call. We become buddies with them, super great guys. Become buddies with them. We were you know, texting them, kind of letting them know what's going on. And, and uh, I gave them a call, told them the situation, hey, we hit this deer. I think he went in this ditch area. I, I think what we need to do is just grid search, like get, you know, five to 10 rows of Milo apart with four or five guys and just start just searching. Straight. Yeah. So we get into these, you know, Milo rows and we, we gave the deer time just to be safe and all that stuff. Um, and we start just walking out basically kind of this, this vicinity that we saw him last. And, we got I, I, we got lucky. I mean, we would have found the deer eventually, but we got lucky because the guy that was on the very far right of our kind of grid that we walked out was it's it was who, in his row. Ran into yeah, it? it was in his row. So you, you almost missed it. Almost missed him. I mean, ten feet could have totally missed him. And so he's like, he's like, oh, here he is. And when I walked up on that deer, I mean, I was in shock at how how big he was. I knew that deer when. You put, posted deer. that video. I was like, "That's a giant." I, I genuinely, I had no idea. I literally thought the deer was one fifty, maybe one sixty. Well, he had a crazy one side, right? It yeah, looked really it looked weird. like he messed it up in velvet or something. He must have bumped it or something. I think he, yeah, broke it, broke or damaged the G two, and then it like corrected itself, and then like started growing back up again. Huh. And that time was like, I think he was almost fourteen inches with the way that it grew. <laughs> Um, and he had like 11 inch brow tines. Yeah. That, uh, that propulsion. Pro, 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 propulsion is the I word. I don't know about percussion. Like something about percu- propulsion. It's propulsion. I was, like it's the impact. Maybe that's what it, yeah. Propulsion. I don't know. It's probably what it is. <laughs> we'll have to get all of our gun hunting lingo. Uh, <laughs> we need to learn. Yeah. Bit. <laughs> uh, so like, I mean, I didn't. I could honestly, when we were also watching him, I couldn't even tell if he was still in velvet. I thought he hit shed and was in hardhorn. Um, and so, anyways, we walked up on him, and this he was like significantly, significantly bigger than than we thought. Well, did you hit him both times? So we hit him. Uh, yeah. So the let me think. The first one we hit him forward shoulder in the shoulder, and. Uh, that that was the one that that killed him. Yeah. He uh yeah, I mean it, it was it was about as far forward as you can hit a deer and kill him, but again with the amount of propulsion. It actually, that, that's not it, the right word. It, you're I'm you're right. About. So I just googled it, and percussion does mean collision. Okay, that's what. So yeah, it is right. Okay, so percussion maybe is percussion hitting. Yes, dr- colliding. Thank with you. Drums. drums. So the percussion. Percussion. Of, yeah. The, so we were right. The impact of that bullet just did so much damage. Yeah. That it, it wrecked his heart. And uh, so, I mean, he he was deep, deep into the Milo. And uh, if we didn't have these other three guys with us, we literally would have never have gotten the deer out. I was about to say, how far from the truck were you? Probably 800 yards. Ugh. That's, that's And that long. was a big body deer, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why his rack was so much bigger than I thought, because his body was big. And you know those those Kansas deer fool you. I mean, you think you're looking at a 150, and he's he's bigger. I mean, how much almost, do you think he weighed? Um, 250 plus probably. Jeez. Um, so what we did was like, we I I killed a deer in North Dakota last season. He was in velvet, and it was a mile hike out. And by the time we got that deer back to the truck, his velvet was gone. I mean, it just shredded off because it's just. It's hard to protect that velvet when you're yeah got, when you're having to go through 
thick cover yeah. and sticks and silo so and right. So we're trying to like preserve this deer as best we can. And uh, the Georgia guys had some T posts in their truck, so we cut holes in the legs and then basically oh, hog tied right. his legs on the front to these T posts. And we had four guys, one of them on each side of the T post of each of these T posts, uh, carrying this deer out of there. And Cody held the head as the fifth guy in the back to basically get this thing out of the Milo and, you know, try to get him out as in best condition as possible. Also looking out for the farmer too, we were able to spread out and like, uh, in I, the row, yeah, in a row. You're not crushing down everything right. as you're, all of us were there. walking in a row and we didn't damage like any of his crops getting that deer out. Was yeah, that's awesome. But it was, uh, it was brutal. Well, I, mean, I, I hope crazy. I draw Kansas next year. I, I didn't draw this year. Oh, I didn't know you applied. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I've a bunch lucky. of a bunch of people that I talked to this season didn't draw Kansas. So I don't know what the deal is there, but uh Drew also drew Kansas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we were I'm I, Drew's plan is I think he's gonna go out there in November, which November out there is fun. Yeah, that 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 sounds really fun. Really fun. Um I'm lucky I've I've drawn two years in a row now. And I'll definitely apply again. I mean it is it's such a treat to like get out of the suburban world and yeah. just kind of, you know, be able to just hunt, not worry about stuff. Yeah. I'm going to try to get up to Illinois during the rut. Um, may, may have a idea of where a big deer's running around okay. up there. Another part of the story I forgot to tell you all about is while we were sitting in the Milo, <clears throat> there was this white truck that kept driving by like two or three times. They'd hop out, take a piss, get back in, do laps, come back by, hop out, take a piss. I'm like, what are they doing? I, yeah, I was like, what's what's the deal with these like, guys? Like, what's what's going on? Were they glassing or anything? Oh Did yeah, you tell- oh. they were road hunters. Oh, they were road hunters, the road warriors. They pulled up on us uh, after we shot that deer, and they were like asking all about you know we we shot a deer. Who'd you get permission from? Like, you know. Where'd you see him? Where'd you shoot him? This, all that. I think that they knew that those two bucks were in there and they were riding around trying to find them and shoot them. And they basically admitted to us straight up. Like, yeah, we, we just ride around, drink beer and shoot deer out of the truck. (laughs) (laughs) So it would have been something if we were sitting there in that Milo. All of a sudden rifle comes out the window. Boom. There's something about poachers and white vehicles. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it's always a white vehicle. Is there uh, someone else you're thinking of? It just happened. Oh, I, well, I know. Uh, oh, so, the Jeep. I, I know some with, yeah. with yeah. white vehicles. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, they're probably poachers. One hundred percent, he he is. Yeah. So, but well, anyways, yeah, well, it was uh, a con- con- adventure set, to say the least. Congratulations on another hammer. Yeah, dude. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it's weird, man. Like I said, you know, we went out there just to hunt and have fun. And, uh, you know, with the, ex- no expectation, just like trying to find a 130 or 140 or just something mature. I'm, uh, I'm looking around Lee's house right now, trying to figure out how he's going to expand his, uh, <laughs> his, room. His, his trophy room. Uh, <laughs> I think you're just going to have to build a trophy room out back somewhere as a separate, <laughs> yeah. uh, man shed. Start putting them in my bedroom. Uh, yeah. Adrian will love that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, like going into Kansas with no expectation, just to, just to go for fun. That's literally what I was going for. I didn't have any expect expectation. I'm not out there like, yeah, we're going to find a giant. Just went hunting and had fun with it to go there looking for a 130, 140 and to come home with a 185 was, uh, leaves me feeling extremely just like undeserving in a sense. Um, or maybe just blessed. Bless is Bless definitely is definitely the word for sure, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just like I don't know. There there are times where I feel like extremely undeserving of the blessings we have, and it was hundred percent one of those one of those moments. Yeah, but it's also we've learned, and we are always reminded that when we try to force something, it doesn't happen. Yeah, and when you just let 
God lead the way and just let things happen as they should is when we find those blessings. Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge, huge blessing for sure. And, uh, there's a lot more to the story and we have a lot of really good footage. So the episode will be, it'll probably be like a 45 minute episode. Well, there's a lot. I'm looking forward to it. Um, next steps for Lee Ellis. Um, I actually am not going to divulge that. I didn't. I, did, I didn't think he would. <laughs> I. Uh, I have been very, very. I've been. I went silent on social media for probably three weeks, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. And hopefully, if the stars align, I'll explain later. Um, I know. But I'm just being very tight-lipped right now. I might know. Oh, I know. I know you know. <laughs> So. Well, Mr. best lips. best of uh, luck with that journey, my friend. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Lee's acting like this elk now, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, the thought that popped in my head that I was, I get distracted. Like, oh, squirrel! Look at the squirrel. Yeah. Um, in the middle of telling that story, like I do, this is just jumping back to the money thing. I do want to be clear though. I have gone in an outfitter before. It's so, like I've I've paid to go hunt. Yeah. I've, I've never paid door knocking and permission and stuff like that. So like, again, that's just me like trying my best to be as truthful and transparent as if, yeah. if for anyone else yeah. that just has questions. I, I've been on an outfitter before, uh, in Kansas years and years ago. Um, it was really kind of offered to me like at a, at a heavy discount. And this was really before seek one was even like a thing. And, uh, I honestly did not enjoy it much because you're just, I was just like, I don't really know what's here. They might be putting me in some, you know, gar hole. Um, and it was just like sit in the stand and wait till it's over. I, I love the get out and kind of make your own magic yeah. and just run around, kind of do whatever. Yeah, yeah, there there were a lot of stipulations of what you could and couldn't do. Yeah. Like I wasn't even allowed to call. Oh, really? They 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 would not allow you to call. Which I get, you know. I get, really? but you know, so, so we started doing some scenarios where we would be, you know, multiple cows. So I'd start doing some calling, but that was something that, yeah, I found a little strange. And then sure. there's just so many things like if you do shoot an elk that they won't cut it up for you or, you know, help you like they'll hold legs and stuff, but they can't actually use a knife. I don't know if it was because of like liability, liability reasons. Thing? Yeah. Huh. So when Chris shot his bull and they started, you know, quartering it up, yeah, the guy's like holding legs and stuff, but he's like, yeah, I can't, I can't use a knife. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I guess that's a liability thing. I, I guess. But um, anyways, we all know that we love to pursue animals wherever guided hunts are, can and will be, you know, very successful and fun, but yeah. we've just chosen to do, things differently the seek a deer hunt we went on um that was a that was a paid hunt i mean we paid to hunt and but that was like an outfitter kind of deal yeah but that was a very that was a very pleasant um experience they were kind of like hey we kind of know y'all know what you're doing like here's some areas go hunt it wasn't like a here's some stands go go there kind of deal but mm-hmm. as, as, as far as i can remember and and hawaii uh, Hawaii was an outfitter kind of deal, but a similar scenario was like, Hey, we know who you guys are. Like we're, you know, go, here's kind of our ground, like go hunt kind of thing. But the people that you get to meet on any hunting excursion, whether it's guided a new area, like the Georgia guys that you met, that's what makes this so special yeah. and, and, and memorable are yeah, the people sure. and friendships that you make along the way. Cause for sure. uh, Paul, my guide and Vince uh, were both just super, super genuine, awesome people. Yeah. And um, yeah, they will be life, lifelong friends. Yeah. And Ryer, uh, our camera guy for the trip, he was amazing and just a great guy and we will be forever friends. Yeah. I, I think, I think what's like an important component or I guess like a mission of, of ours in particular is like, I think that we want to be advocates for all styles of hunting 100%. as long as it's legal and ethical. Yeah. And whether that's an outfitter 
whether that's do it yourself, whether that's public land, private land, rural, suburban, like, you know, rifle, cross, crossbow, uh, you know, compound bow. Like I, I think that we want to be advocates for it all as long as it is legal and ethical. Yep. 100%. Yep. I mean, we want to <clears throat> keep our heritage alive and and to get anybody and everybody into it. Yeah. There's too many people trying to shut us down these days. Yep. And it's extremely important that we help promote all aspects. Yeah. What's your next plan? I am going to find one of my target deer here in Atlanta. And go after them, probably starting uh, this week at some point, as long as I can find where they went. I've been out of town for a couple of weeks between work and being out west, and yeah. got some finding to do. I've got to do the same thing. When's, when's Chubbs going down, Cheeto? When does Alabama open? October 14th. I actually thought Is it was, that late? Yeah. Oh, dude. It's a, normally the 15th, but the reason they did the 14th this year, which I just found out uh, the other day, that they moved it to the 14th because it's a Saturday. So they are opening up on a Saturday because the 15th falls on the That's Saturday. That's so crazy that it's that late. Dude, and this it's really hard because by the time, you know, October runs, uh, middle of October runs around. You don't know where. You, they're... That's what happened out there last year is. is he just moved somewhere else. I mean, it's just like, it, it's honestly pointless to locate a deer in the summer in Alabama. Yeah. I mean, or in the suburbs. Yeah. So. Well, y'all season goes to like freaking February, next, February, next 10th. May, February 10th, because <laughs> rut doesn't start to like, I mean, most areas like the end of January. Yeah. But. I'm gonna. I may have to give Alabama a go this year. Yeah. We'll yeah. See. Let's do yeah. It. We need to for sure. It's fun. I'm rooting for you on that deer. Appreciate it. So. Get get him, Cheeto. Do what I can. All, All right. right. Wrapping it up. That's it. We out. All right.